Welcome to the special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Jonathan Allen. He's the Executive Vice President of Strategic Markets at Decision Lens. Jonathan, good to have you with us today. Thank you, Tom, good to be here. And let's begin with strategic markets. Just tell us what that is for you. So my job is to work with our executive team and the rest of the company uh, to, to point us in the right direction. So we have a decision-making platform that uh, helps a lot of different uh, organizations with a lot of different use cases. What we're trying to do is figure out how we can be most useful and most beneficial. I'm sure we'll talk about that today too. All right, and the area we're gonna concentrate on is, is uh, just wonderfully known as PPB&E, and that's not a type of sandwich, but <laughs> a, a budgeting processing execution process for the entire DOD planning cycle. So tell us about what it is you try to do in that cycle. Give us the big picture of where you live in the PPBE. Sure, so briefly, and, and you know this, uh, PPB stands for Planning, Programming, Budgeting, and Execution. And really, a, an oversimplification of that is it describes the timeline of the planning processes within the, uh, the government, particularly in Department of Defense. And so um, Decision Lens, and, our, and, and we help uh, organizations to, um, understand and plan better during each of those processes. Planning further out than five years. Programming is what we know as the POM, is the five-year, four to five-year time horizon. And then as you get into the budgeting and the execution, you're doing budget planning for this year and uh, execution activities for your execution year of funding. Decision Lens helps uh, with the planning of every aspect of that process. Now, all federal agencies have different aspects to their budget planning, and uh, it's really, at the least, it's a two-and-a-half-year process. In DOD, you mentioned a five-year for the specifically the PPBE. What are the specific challenges under PPBE that are perhaps unique or more intense, say, for the Defense Department versus, say, agriculture? So, um, one of the challenges that Defense Department is dealing with is the acceleration of change that's taking place. Uh, and I think, we, you know, I, I think we see this with uh, Ukraine and Russia or other types of um, what we call emergent requirements that come in um, that require a change. And the PPBE process is designed to create a lot of um, stability uh, across the time horizons that we're dealing with. It's, uh, as you know, it's, it's a, a long-standing process, and that has a lot of benefits to it, but one of the challenges is it makes it difficult for it to be agile and adaptive enough when you have emergent requirements that come in. The other thing that I would say is around the data. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you three Ds about the challenges with the data. The, the data itself actually is not necessarily the problem. We have a lot of data, a lot of data comes in and our clients are able to manage that. Uh, but there are several things that happen with the data. One is that it, it can be disconnected across the, the PPBE process. So by disconnected, I mean that the, the data used in the POM process is different than the data in the budget execution process. Another is it can be delayed. So uh, imagine a situation where you bring your data in, you call it together, and then you put it on PowerPoint slides, and there's this little as of date at the bottom of the PowerPoint slide when you're presenting. Well, if that's a week old, then the commander or the leader might say, okay, I, I understand what you're saying, but what happened in the last week uh, you know, for this? And then the last D I would say is disparate, meaning 
the data can be disparate. And, and I don't mean just disconnected. I mean by disparate, it, it is different in kind to other types of data. And so it goes to different functions having different types of data, all of which are important uh, for planning purposes, but it creates a disconnect across those different areas. And that's where I think we, we see a lot of challenges. Okay, and we're going to get into each one of these and how you deal with them, but I wanted to ask the idea of stability and adaptability. That's kind of ironic, given that it's the Defense Department and this was all developed during the Cold War, which was hardly a stable, predictable time in world relations, and we're living through a difficult time now. So one of the results you see, and you tell me if this is a result in part of the issues with PPBE, is that every year at least one of the major military branches, and sometimes all of them, end up going for this big reprogramming effort with right. Congress, which itself can take six months. Right, that's true. And, and that does happen, and I think, I think you're right in terms of the stability. You know, part of the thing that's happening here uh, with, for example, let's take one aspect of the PPBE, which is the Palm Planning Process, Pro, uh, Program Objective Memorandum. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is the kickstart of the of the planning process, and and usually is a planning process over a four to five year horizon. Uh, you, what you're doing in the Palm process is acquisition organizations are using this, as well as operational organizations, and so um, it, it's used to plan out major construction projects, as well as other more near term agile kinds of technology or other weapon systems kinds of things. And so because the Palm is used across the board. Uh, it sometimes has challenges in uh, knowing the best ways to, uh, or people have challenges knowing the best ways to adapt in that POM process. Got it. So in other words, it's sort of a single size for many different requirements. I, I think so. And, and it's not that the POM process itself is, is wrong or inherently bad. It's that um, organizations often struggle in this day and age to be able to tie the POM activities to the budgeting and the execution activities when their actual uh, appropriations are coming in and they're executing on their budget. Yeah, because operational parts of the DOD have very different timelines within their own lives as does, say, acquisition. And so sometimes that's a big mismatch. That's right. And they each have their own POM idea. So there's a POM for acquisition, for example, and a POM for a brigade that might have to plan whatever it needs for its mission as assigned by leadership. That's right. And I would say that as you get into the, you know, let's say the brigades or the, or the field units or things like that, they might contribute into the POM process, um, but they're dealing more with the way that those appropriations come down and for them right. to fund Got at it. that level. And I'll just give you an interesting example. When we were talking with one FM leader, financial management leader in the DOD space, uh, one of the things that he said is, the POM process can, sometimes becomes a theoretical exercise. It's almost wholly disconnected from what they're trying to do in a budget planning and execution standpoint. And part of the reason for that is when they're doing budget planning, a lot of times they'll take the operational requirements from the previous year as the input going into the actual budget execution, budget formulation process that they're dealing with. And so um, it's, there's a, sometimes a disconnect between what's happening at the POM level and what's happening at the budget execution level. Sure, because you can't predict when, say, one country will invade another, and therefore there needs to be some kind of NATO manifestation, for example. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe somebody could have predicted it, but not exactly the fiscal year in which that would happen, or right. even within the, okay, got That's it. Right. All 
All right, so how do agencies then in DOD begin to take on some of these problems? Let's talk about the, like say, the disconnectedness of data. Yeah, so let me give you a, another example that I think might help to kind of think about not just the disconnectedness, but also the delay issue that I mentioned. Uh, we work with uh, a major command in the Air Force who is um, uh, using uh, uh, us, Decision Lens, for their POM uh, planning process. So they've automated their POM planning process. But you know, Tom, it's interesting. When I first sat down with them a, a couple of years ago, they were a little bit skeptical. They had a number of homegrown solutions. They had uh, obviously spreadsheets and PowerPoint that they were using. And these are very, very smart people uh, that do this. What I explained to them was an analogy that I'll give to you that I think is helpful. You remember back in the day when there were flip phones and then PDA, personal digital uh, you know, devices like Blackberries, and then we finally got to the smartphone. Well, uh, I myself was skeptical when I had my Blackberry because it could do email and it could do you know, texting and calling. So I said, why would I need a smartphone to do that? What I didn't realize is that uh, the smartphone allowed for me to have other apps that I could add onto, the, onto my system and it could do all kinds of other things for me. And what I explained to these leaders in the POM process was that, you know, in some areas of the government right now, they're still on flip phones, aka spreadsheets and PowerPoint. In other areas, they're on, you know, maybe these PDAs or Blackberries where they're using uh, a platform like a SharePoint or homegrown solutions to be able to call that data and bring it together. Um, but the smartphone version is you know, a, a collection of uh, uh, technologies that allow for them to do other things besides just organize and manage the data. And as we started to talk about and understand that, they saw that once they were able to organize and manage their data, they could then look out and do better decision making on the, on the back end of that with new apps and new other kinds of functionality that would be beneficial. Got it. So that makes the POM maybe potentially more projectable across that future state than it is when they're doing everything manually? That's right. So as we go back to disconnected and delayed and disparate, basically what we can do today with technology is we can bring together data in a meaningful way onto a centralized, systemized platform that allows for multiple people to come together and see that transparently and then to start to make decisions around that in real-time fashion as opposed to over a delayed period of time. And maybe describe in a little bit more detail what you mean by automation of the POM because the POM is a narrative, it's a document in which people write things to justify the program. But so what are the automatable aspects of it? What's, what are the other elements in there that you can bring automation to? So you're right, the POM itself is a, you know, a document, it's a deliverable that gets submitted. And on that deliverable, it has the, the projected funding and the allocation of resources for that period of time. Uh, but the POM process, as we call it, in, in includes many, many different stakeholders that are involved in submitting requirements or submitting changes. For example, this, uh, this major command in the Air Force that I was mentioning uh, be needed first to collect the data across many, many different Air Force wings and bring that data together where they're submitting changes to the POM going forward. Then they needed to prioritize those and then they needed to figure out how do we allocate the resources of funding you know, from our previous POM to this year's, you know, to the new POM that we're, cycle that we're going after. 
So that POM process is fairly complex. It requires a lot of stakeholders, and there are key decision points throughout that process where if you can focus on those decision points, it can give you an eye towards that line of sight to the overall strategy. Okay, so in other words, that makes then the justification not only easier and faster, but also more accurate in terms of what you need to know to convince someone that, yeah, this program needs this, that, and the other at this point in time. That's exactly right. And then in terms of your question on automation, what it does is it gives you the ability not only to have a defensible, justifiable strategy, but it gives you a living, breathing process that can adapt to emergent requirements as those are coming in. And that's the key is, is more, a, a more agile approach you know, to being able to do this. So it becomes almost a continuous process of POM. It, you could update even when it's not due and therefore you're ready for the next time and maybe it's something you review weekly or monthly or whatever, quarterly, instead of starting from scratch each time there's a new fiscal year coming around. That's exactly right. And so when you can have that continuous process in place, it also translates into some of the other budget processes. So another process is the unfunded requirements process that happens more in your execution year of activities or your budget year. And that unfunded requirement process can also become a living, breathing uh, system of requirements that you're using to make decisions about where to allocate your resources. Yeah, just to continue with the Air Force, suppose a hangar is damaged suddenly and these are not inexpensive repairs, Correct. but if it happens during the, during the current budget year, then you've got a big unfunded requirement. Uh, that's correct. So an unfunded requirement can be from something that happens, you know, an external factor. It can be from an emerging requirement that you didn't know you were going to have, something new, because again, the theater of war changes or there's a change in the overall strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and so it can come from a lot of different places, but those unfunded requirements sometimes are, uh, there, there's a lot of funding, <laughs> let me just say that, that goes to these unfunded requirements. And what sometimes happens at different organizations is because they don't have that transparency into the process and understanding of that, it, it, they may fund what's just easiest to fund in the near term as opposed to what might be best for the, over, or the, the organization. Well. All right, we're going to dig deeper, but right now we're going to take a short break here. My guest today is Jonathan Allen. He's the Executive Vice President of Strategic Markets at Decision Lens. I'm Tom Temin on the special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens here on Federal News Network. How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. Decision Lens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital. Organizations using Decision Lens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at DecisionLens.com. Welcome back to our special bulletin review, Modernizing Federal Government Planning, sponsored by Decision Lens, here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Jonathan Allen, Executive Vice President of Strategic Markets at Decision Lens. I'm Tom Temin. And before the break, you were making the analogy of the smartphone ecosystem, if you will, to the flip phone that did one or two things, or the BlackBerry, and the Palm does one or two things. So maybe just elaborate on how the Palm and the PPBE can be expanded to be more effective, to be more efficient in a way that you can bring in other 
non-stovepipe types of applications into it. Yeah, Tom, I think a lot of our listeners know and understand that in our day and age, with many of the government processes, they're using spreadsheets and PowerPoint slides a lot of the time to manage those processes. And I would, I would liken that to the flip phone you know, of, of, of a past time period. There are many organizations that are using um, SharePoint and other kinds of tools to create an environment where they can collaborate on that data and use that going forward. And I would liken that to the, the BlackBerry age, the PDA. Um, but uh, there are organizations now that are starting to use a more centralized planning solution that is continuous in nature, as you use that word continuous. And I think that's similar to maybe what we now have in our, in our mm -hmm. smartphones. And the reason why I use that analogy is because today on our smartphones, we can do so much more than just calling, texting, and emailing. Um, today, in the planning uh, cycle of the government, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of organizations that can do so much more than just managing, organizing, and collecting data for decision-making purposes. There are so many things with machine learning and AI that they could do if they were able to be into a, a system and set of technologies that allows for them to go ahead and do that. I guess in some sense, then, the way you describe it, then the PPPE, PPPE, and the POM become less of a stovepipe over here exercise that we have to do and much more integrated into the reality of the changing and shifting requirements DOD actually faces. In the accelerating environment that we're in, yes. I think what, what's happening is, the, again, the processes themselves are not wrong. There will always be planning processes over certain time periods and time horizons. Uh, but our ability to use those processes with the latest technology and the latest, uh, you know, best practices and processes, I think can change and will change over time. And talk more about the artificial intelligence, machine learning piece of this. Everybody's talking about those two things. Right. How can it be brought into the, to the PPBE? Sure. So artificial intelligence and machine learning can be used in a, a lot of different environments. When it comes to the planning processes within government, uh, there's a lot of power in being able to not only plan and forecast and project on certain targets, like in the, in the military, say, readiness or lethality of the force or other kinds of things like that. Um, and, and then to be able to track in those planning processes and those projects, how did we do? And what's powerful about this is from a machine learning and AI perspective, not only can we use genetic algorithms to make recommendations about the projects that will drive readiness or drive lethality or these other performance targets, but we can also create a continuous planning cycle so that it can inform future projects based on the historical data that we have. In other words, the portfolio of projects can become smarter and smarter based on the historical data that we're collecting and gathering over time. And it can really help make recommendations to leaders about what they should do. And not only that, then it sounds also as if it can make the recommendations the leaders have to appropriators more credible, more convincing, and therefore more effective. That's exactly right. You know, we talk about data-driven decision-making, and I think there is a lot of data-driven decision-making across the government, and there are some very, very intelligent people that are doing that. And we can make uh, technology help us do that better and better uh, in, in the examples that we were just talking about. Now, earlier you mentioned the three Ds of data, disconnected nature of it that's required in the whole budgeting process, the delay, sometimes we don't have the most current data to do planning by and it can change in a matter of hours in some cases, 
and then the disparateness of the data, the different formats and so forth. How do you bring that all together in an automated way that really helps some of these benefits to the planning process we've been talking about? So let me give you one other example of a, a client that we're working with, and this is just one example uh, of others that we could use, but um, Army Training and Doctrine Command is one of the major commands in the Army, and um, they uh, asked us to help them. One of the things that they were dealing with in their budgeting and execution process is they had a very large unfunded requirement process where they collect unfunded requirements from the centers of excellence across the you know, that particular command. And they also were struggling with the budgeting and the planning. In other words, the way they build the requirements for next year's budget year, and then they execute on those requirements within the command. They had, uh, I think, 17 different spreadsheets that they were collecting the data on, and then they had to pull that data together. And as you can imagine, uh, in terms of the data disconnectedness, uh, a lot of version control issues, a lot of other kinds of things. And you know, we're, we're chuckling about this, Tom, because we know that there are a lot of listeners out there that are living and breathing this you know, today. And again, it's not any fault of their own. It's just the nature of the complexity of the organization you know, in terms of dealing with this. So uh, what, what we did is we started to work with them to first collect and organize their data in a way that could be transparent and defensible, and then to prioritize those requirements in a meaningful way. And something really powerful started to happen. You had the what they call the G357, which is the planning part of the organization, and the G8, which is the resource requirements part of the organization, started to see more visibly and clearly what was on those requirements, what the priorities were, how those were changing over time. So it gave them the, the single sheet of music, if you will, to be able to operate off of, and it helped not only with the disconnectedness, but with the delay, and then the disparities of the different data come from, coming from different uh, systems. And so sure. that's just one example of how that works. And in that whole spreadsheet idea, as someone who doesn't know a pivot table from a coffee table, <laughs> I imagine when you can get away from that kind of dependence, then more people can contribute meaningfully to this process, including the people that know the reality, but may not know the data access and spreadsheet issues. That's right. There are a lot of really intelligent analysts that are out there and they are building successful spreadsheets. The challenge is if they move on to another job or if they retire, uh, then that leaves uh, sometimes a, a lack of continuity mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what needs to happen. But I would say more importantly than that, Tom, is are the requirements that we're building and prioritizing really getting at the effectiveness of the overall mission. You know, that's the real key that we're trying to, the question that we're trying to answer. Yeah, so maybe elaborate on that. How does it help the mission? I mean, that's ultimately what this is all about. Well, I, I, I mentioned earlier, there's this example of a, you know, maybe funding something that's easier to fund. Uh, you can obligate the funds more quickly to do that. We kind of sometimes joke, you know, maybe that's the office furniture in the organization mm -hmm. as opposed to a really important uh, mission-related requirement. But let me just give you a couple of quick examples of, of people that, organizations that we know that we're working with. One is a DOD and another I'll use as a federal civilian agency. So in the, in the Department of Defense space, uh, we work with organizations such as one that is dealing with the mobility of the forces, right? They're uh, working to mobilize troops and to mobilize other weapon systems, airplanes and things. And uh, one of the things that they deal with is how do we make sure that we're training our pilots and our engineers effectively 
and at the same time responding to the needed exercises and the mobilization and the, and the missions that are going on out there. It's very difficult for them to plan in that environment just because of the complexity of it. But again, if you have a, a, a planning system that's tied to those readiness requirements and those other requirements, then you can start to make decisions around that. In Federal Civilian, National Park Service uses uh, uh, our software and our services to really understand contaminated sites. Mm -hmm. So how do we clean up contaminated sites? And how do we prioritize those so that we're doing that in the most efficient and the most effective way? So if, if, if the decision focus is on where the mission is and a line of sight to the overall strategy, then it allows the resources to be tied to that. And I think that's the key in decision making. And you've started to answer one question I had, this whole automation and intelligence based process to budget planning and execution is applicable in civilian side also. Absolutely. You know, there are civilian agencies that use and call it the PPBE process. Others don't call it that, but they still have the same kind of long range, mid range, and then near term planning cycles that they're going through. And they all need to allocate resources in the most effective way. So it applies there as well. I guess if this could all add up to Congress doing its appropriations on time, it would seem like nirvana. <laughs> That's right. It is a major challenge that we know many deal with in terms of the continuing resolution and then trying to figure out how do we allocate our funds as quickly as possible for the remaining six months of the execution. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not only getting your money beyond when you thought you would need it, but also how to accelerate the effective use of it without right. just throwing it around because the fiscal year is only six months long. That's exactly right. All right, and so what's your best advice then for agencies that look at their budget process and how much time they spend spinning wheels to start getting started on a, on a way to do this more efficiently? So what I would say to leaders in a leadership role, let's say maybe it's a director of planning and programming or a commander or some other kind of leader that's looking at their planning processes, is to take a hard look at what they're doing from a planning perspective. And to, to try to understand the answer to a couple of these questions. One is, is the data that I'm pulling in, can I see it clearly and is it pointed towards key decision points that we have? And then of course, you know, is there a line of sight to the overall strategy? Um, there are processes and technologies that can uh, enable that. What I would say to analysts or those who are out on the front lines, you know, working these processes, you know, how can you automate and streamline the processes that you're dealing with in a way that would allow you and those around you to be more effective in what you're doing? And the power of that is, it can allow analysts to then spend more time analyzing the data and doing what they do really, really well, which is understand that data and be able to provide actionable insights as opposed to um, you know, putting the data in, pulling it out, and kind of you know, wrangling the data the whole time. All right, great discussion. Thank you so much. I want to thank today's guest. Jonathan Allen is the Executive Vice President of Strategic Markets at Decision Lens. I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Decision Lens. Thank you for listening to the special bulletin review sponsored by Decision Lens on Federal News Network. How can the United States be considered an innovation leader with a government planning process dictated by manual spreadsheets? This high-tech country deserves a high-tech government. DecisionLens Software is here to transform and bring innovation back to the capital.
Organizations using Decision Lens achieve operational efficiency. They gain the agility to pivot as priorities shift and the confidence to stand behind an expertly executed budget. Give your agency a competitive advantage. Learn more at DecisionLens.com.